0: If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 U.S. 12 West in Edwardsburg. God, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to go up to Kalamazoo and serve. I, uh, I feel that that song we sung earlier about needing you is truer more now than than it was just a couple minutes ago. Um, but God, I really do need you, and I want the focus to be on you um, and, and what you've done for us. I pray that as we, we take a look at your word, that that is true. And uh, uh, yeah, I just pray you remove me from this equation. I pray this your name. Amen. So, re- rewind here. We were on our trip. We had a devotional. It was on Joshua. And this verse came up, and it was in a passage that talks about the, the people of Israel are about to cross over the Jordan and go and take care of... Does anybody remember what city they go to? Anybody? Jericho, thank you. Yep, they go to Jericho. But right before they do that, right before the day that they cross over the Jordan, Joshua says this to the people of Israel. He says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And so our devotion book, instead of continuing on into what Joshua and the people of Israel did, paused there for a second and basically talked about what it means to consecrate yourself. And then when we got back that night, we kind of had our recap time together as a group, and I asked the group, what does it mean to consecrate yourself? And I gave them a definition, and I actually had one of the kids who really liked the definition and was like, hey, you should preach on that. And I was just like, eh, maybe not. Um, and then later, I couldn't get it out of my mind, the, this concept of consecrate yourself, kept sticking in my mind, and I'm like, okay, God, why are you leaving this in my brain? Why does it keep popping up in my brain? And I realized, well, maybe that teenager was right, and I should take some time to study it deeper, and then as I studied it a little bit deeper, it became what I wanted to talk about this week. And and so as I started looking into it, just like every good Bible theologian, I went to my three-year-old, four-year-old now, four-year-old daughter, and I asked her what she thought it meant. I said, "What do you think consecrate meant, means?" And she goes, uh, "When you get consequences from Dad?" <laughs> and I, I didn't feel like that really fit the context. Uh, I asked my other two kids, and they, I gave them a little bit of context, and they said, "Well, maybe to make yourself ready, which is much closer to the idea of what it means. Uh, so they they did pretty good with that. But then, actually, like somebody who's studying uh, a passage, I, I got I have a big, thick... Bible dictionary that has more in it than I could ever read. Um, And I, I looked up the word consecrate and it said this in it. It said to dedicate or ordain a person for a sacred office or an object for a sacred purpose. To sanctify something or someone. And then right after this it said see sanctified or sanctify. So if you've ever written or read a dictionary it basically means that it's a synonym to sanctify or sanctified. And I started looking at this definition, and I, I know what like, to dedicate something is, and ordain means kind of to like, give it a purpose. And so my thought process starts going towards things that have like specific purposes. Does anybody know what this tool is? I got a few hands up here. It's an oil filter wrench. All right, You use it to remove the oil filter off of an engine, basically. And I have three different sizes. I've had lots of different vehicles, and the oil filters are different sizes on lots of different vehicles, but they pretty much never get used unless I'm changing the oil on my car. That's their purpose. The other day, my wife calls me and says, hey, I need some help opening a jar. Do you have a tool that might work to open a jar? And I'm sitting there like, I don't know, don't use like channel locks. You'll end up like breaking the jar and hurting yourself. And then like, never mind, I found one, I'm good. And then the conversation ended and she hung up and I get home and I'm like, what what did you use? You know, which tool of mine did you take into your kitchen and decide to use on on your jar? And she said, I used this round thingy and it just like, it worked really good. And I was like, (laughs) so no longer is this ordained for the specific purpose of oil filter removing, or maybe it is for me still. But for Hannah, it is now ordained for the purpose of really sticky jar lids. Um, so, wives, this is located in some of your husband's toolboxes. Next time, you don't need their help anymore. You have some leverage. All right? Anyway, that's the idea of consecrated. But instead of being ordained for the purpose of removing an oil filter, we are ordained or made holy for God's purposes and like I said, at the, the end of that definition, it said, see sanctified, and if you, personally, I didn't really enjoy English class. It was actually my least favorite subject, but the skills that my English teacher taught me, I use them all the time when I'm studying for messages and stuff, so maybe I should have paid better attention, but when you see that in a definition, or like at the end of a definition, it means if you want to know more go there and so I flipped all the way to the other end of my dictionary and I looked up sanctified and this was a much simpler definition and uh, it, it helps our brain kind of understand it with its simplicity the act of making something clean or holy and that's kind of the definition we're gonna we're gonna take and move forward with today is that idea of making something clean or holy is what sanctified meant so the Israelite people had lots of ways that God had told them to do that and the word that was used in that passage in Joshua and really all throughout the whole old testament is Kadash. This Hebrew word literally translates to concentrate or consecrate, sanctify, dedicate, to be holy or to be separate. That's what it translates at. And I was like, okay, so where else in the Bible is this used? So I can get a better understanding. You're getting a glimpse into how Josh studies here a little bit. So I can get a better understanding of what in the world it meant. And the first place we see it in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 2. We see it when God sanctifies the seventh day as the Sabbath. He sets it aside as holy. He makes the day holy. And then Like I said, this is used hundreds of times in the Old Testament, but here are just a few other examples you can see for the word sanctified. In Exodus 28, it's in relation to Aaron when he's becoming, him and his descendants are becoming the priesthood in Israel. They sanctified the priesthood, made it holy, and there was a process that God gave them to do that. We see it a little bit later in 1 Samuel before they anointed David. As Samuel went to David's father, they anointed everyone involved in this process before, or sorry, they sanctified everybody in this process before anointing David. And so before David could become king, they had to set themselves aside as holy. And then in Chronicles 15, 12, before they returned to the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, um, There was actually a a little before. There was a, a name, a man named Uzzah. And he was part of the team transporting the Ark of the Covenant. It was on a cart and it started to fall off and he stuck his hand up to stop it which doesn't sound like a bad thing but he touched the holy Ark of the Covenant without being holy himself. And God struck him dead when that happened and so before David moved the Ark of the Covenant again, he said let's make sure we do it right this time and all the folks who are involved in moving need to sanctify themselves or consecrate themselves, make themselves holy and set apart for God for this purpose. And then God sanctified them. And so you might be thinking to yourself, okay, what, is that, what does that even teach us from the Old Testament? So uh, I was talking with Chris after his message last week, and he, he likes the fact that the Bible has lots of examples for itself. Sometimes we like to give stories like my goofy wrench, and that helps us think about it. But we can also look at the Bible and see examples. And I just gave you four different examples of what it means to consecrate or to be sanctified. And what what does that mean? What can we understand about it? The first one is that God is the only one who can make things holy. We see that in the very beginning of the Bible through Genesis. God's the one who designated the Sabbath day as holy. The processes God gave the people, sometimes it was taking a bath and putting on new clothes. Sometimes it was offering a sacrifice. There was a yearly sacrificial process called Yom Kippur that Israel would go through every single year as a reminder of their lack of holiness. And then they would present that sacrifice and it would appease God temporarily and sanctify the people. God is the one who did that. The sacrifice, the people doing that didn't, Make them holy, didn't sanctify them, but God did. And the second thing that we can get from the Old Testament here is that the process of sanctification needed to be constantly repeated in order to appease God's wrath. That that word appease is very intentional, meaning it happened, it satisfied, didn't satisfy it fully, but temporarily satisfied the, the wrath of God. So we can learn these two things. God makes them holy, and it's temporary. That's why the people of Israel constantly had to redo sacrifices and again and again. In and, and Hebrews, the book of Hebrews that we're going to look at in a second here, it actually says that there's a priest designated daily to offer sacrifices because it was never sufficient. Okay, I get that, but that sounds a little bit different than the gospel. So what does the New Testament or the New Covenant have to say about sanctification? Well, the New Testament, we can see two things. First one is a positional sanctification. Now that makes it sound super fancy when I say it big words like that. All right, But positional sanctification means if you are standing in front of God, how God sees you. All right, So positionally speaking, in front of God, he sees you through Christ. And therefore, wrath completely satisfied. Not just temporarily appeased, but completely satisfied. When he looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus. So, eternally speaking, our, pros- our, our sanctification is complete. And you might be thinking, okay, where'd you get this idea, Josh? You didn't just make it up yourself, hopefully. We see it in Hebrews. In Hebrews it says, and by that will, that's the will of God, uh, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, that's the Jewish priest in this part, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made his footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified." We see in this passage right here that the sacrifices aren't necessary anymore as long as we believe in the saving work of Jesus' death, his sacrifice, once and for all time. It doesn't end. It doesn't go away when when you make a mistake. In God's eyes, when he looks at you, you have been set aside, made holy. And the book of Hebrews says this in a bunch of different ways. You've been added into the priesthood. You, you are part of his priesthood. You are part of his family. You are adopted as a son or a daughter in Christ. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. The second type of sanctification we see in the New Testament is what's called progressive sanctification. And I had a youth pastor uh, growing up who used the, the phrase with progressive sanctification that it is the process of becoming more like Christ eternally speaking, and in God's eyes, we are sanctified. However, right now, if we're honest and humble enough to admit it, we still make mistakes. We are not perfect and holy right now. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. I know I make mistakes all the time, like forgetting to turn my mic on. Um, But we all make mistakes. We all have struggles and Therefore, we're constantly working towards that idea of becoming more like Christ. And, okay, Josh, where do you see this? Well, there's a couple different spots that we see this in the New Testament. uh, One is in 1 Thessalonians 4, but we also see this idea in Ephesians 4, where it says, "...to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds," which is very similar to Romans 12, uh, and be put on your new. Uh, sorry, and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This idea of put off, put on, is a clothing idea. A put off something that doesn't fit and put on something that is tailor made to fit you. All right. Uh, I play on a softball team, and we all have our own softball gloves that we use. After time, anybody who's ever played baseball, that glove becomes your glove. If somebody else sticks their hand in your glove, their hand doesn't fit right. There's grooves that are in the wrong places, it doesn't close in the right way, and that's the same that's true. If I took Jim's softball glove and I ran out to the outfield with it, he'd come chasing after me and say, give me my glove back because I don't want yours. Yours fits your hand, mine fits mine. Or if you don't play sports, imagine your favorite hoodie. Right? When you slip into that, when you get home and you just want to be comfortable, whatever that outfit is for you, it fits you. If you're a fancier person, a tailor-made suit. All right, But those are the three ideas. You take off something that was never designed for you. That's sin. That's separation from God. We were not designed for that purpose. And you put on this holiness, this idea of sanctification. You put on a new self, And you do what Christ and God has designed you to do, and it fits much nicer. Sometimes it's harder, right? That coat can be a little stiff. That glove can be a little stiff when it's new. But over time, it fits you because it was designed for you. So we can get those two things from the New Testament. So what what can we take away from all of this? Well, the first thing is that through Christ, we are sanctified. Permanently and eternally, there is no end to it that through belief in Jesus and his saving work on the cross and his death and resurrection, we can be sanctified. We can be made holy, set apart for God. The second thing that you can get is that we aren't perfect yet here on earth. When we die and we go to heaven, we will be. We will be in a perfect world that will be amazing and free of pain and suffering. But right now where we are, we're not perfect yet. Therefore... We need to confess. In first John 1 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. It starts with being humble, though. That idea of confessing means you know what's going on. Sometimes we have sin issues in our lives and we're too blind to even see them. And we need friends to help us with that. But once we humbly realize those, God calls us to confess. And that process or progressive sanctification, becoming more like Christ, revolves around you confessing and then striving with God's strength to move closer and closer to him and like him and further and further away from our old self. So today we're going we're gonna to partake in communion here. And I, um, gentlemen, I'm going to change the plan a little bit. We're not going to have the one song in front. We're just going to do the, the communion thing. Um, But as we go into communion, I want to take a look at Paul's words that he says in 1 Corinthians. Right after he explains what communion is to the Corinthians, he says this, Therefore, whoever eats of the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That's heavy. To be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord if you partake in an unworthy manner. Here at our church, we do what's called open communion, which means if you believe that idea of you believe in what Christ did, you are welcome to come and partake of the elements that we have here. These elements are not uh, special. I got the crackers and juice from Walmart. They're not like super holy elements, but they represent what Christ did for us. They represent him sanctifying us, and so those who believe can partake in that, and then but the second step isn't just believing, but it's also making sure that you're in the right frame of mind and that you've done what First John says and that you've confessed those sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive them. So while you come up and get your, your, your bread or your cracker and your juice and then you head back to your seats, there's a table back there, there's a table up here. I want you to be praying and prayfully consider, hey God, where do I need to take a good self-reflection and say God I messed up help me to trust you confess this to you and forgive me I want to partake today in a way that is worthy that is sanctified and set aside for that holy purpose so at this point gentlemen if you could start the song you guys can stand and either come here or back there um, for to get your stuff we have an awesome savior don't we We have a Savior who loved us enough to give up Godhood to come down and be in a mortal body just for the sole purpose of redeeming us to him. As you go today, I want that to be on your mind. I also would love for any of you who want to know more about the missions trip. Some of our folks today are wearing their deep sea shirts, but if you are on the missions trip, if you just want to raise your hand for me for a second, I know a few of them are down the kid's wing, but all of these folks... They they practice talking to complete strangers, so if you don't know them, come talk to them anyway. Um, but they would love to tell you more about the mission trip. Let me pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your saving work on the cross. I pray that, um, yeah, that we just realize that today and realize the significance of what you did for us. I pray for anyone who's not sure whether they they believe that or not, that you just work in their heart and that you uh, bring them to an understanding of what you did and their need for you. I pray this in your name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648.